Whole Man Academy. Because the world needs strong men. Whole Man Academy is changing the game for men around the world. It's for guys who want to live an epic life of fun and adventure, no matter what. We believe deep down, all men want to go on their own hero's journey to becoming resilient, confident, fearless, and fulfilled. Listening to be inspired by guys who don't settle for living a life of mediocrity. This is your call to action and call to adventure. Are you ready? Okay, guys, before we kick off the podcast, just a usual reminder to sign up for a game-changing weekly e-letter that goes out to hundreds of men around the world. Just go to www.wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement. Right, let's jump in. Okay, so this is the Whole Man Academy podcast, episode 113. My guest today is Tim Hayes, high-performance business coach and mindset mentor, also bonsai tree owner and bongo drum player. We'll, uh, we'll come <laughs> on to that if we get time, but we probably won't. But firstly, how are you and where are you? Uh, thank you so much for inviting me to do this. I am fabulous, very excited, and uh, originally from London, but I sit in Cape Town today. That's where I live now, overlooking a nature reserve. So it's a million miles away from your kind of, let's call it, mm. let's call it former life. Um, well, mm. one of the questions mm. I want to start with, we're going to jump into your, your story because there's so much to unpack, which I think guys will find really interesting. But I just wanted for you, what's your, lands, what's, what's your take on the landscape for men at the moment? Because I think it's a really challenging time for men to know what they can and can't say, what they should or shouldn't be doing, especially if you're white, then you're really fucked. But uh, so I just wonder <laughs> what your thoughts were on that. Gosh, uh, big question. We probably need about <laughs> half half a day for me yeah. to, to to answer that. You know, I I was I was sitting in a meditation this morning, um, and uh, and and the what was coming to me is we know we know we know right. And I think that it's wonderful that men are having the opportunity to be vulnerable and and you know just just be themselves really. Um, and I think the pendulum will kind of start to is is starting to equalize. Um, masculine and feminine energy is 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 uh, prevalent in everyone. Mm. Um, it's a spectrum, and it doesn't mean we are one of more and less of the other. Um, it means that we get to move through that spectrum on any given day. So, um, I I see quite a lot of kind of poxic. Uh, toxic uh positive toxic positivity uh around this and we just need to start being honest we just need to start being uh uh truthful and mm. and then see how things play out from there so uh, it's a it's an interesting uh, that comment of or that saying toxic positivity i i saw that a couple of months ago and i thought it was so interesting because we hear of toxic this 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 but positivity is one of those also I was talking to someone where you said, you know, you can, I think having a positive mindset is very important and you want to be around people like that, but sometimes you maybe need a smack of reality as well. Um, mm -hmm. Especially with the landscape of what's coming in the next six months or year, I think with the, um, with the economy and food and everything else. So I think it's going to be a really challenging time for guys, but that's why it's important to talk to guys like you who have been through a whole, um, mixture of different stuff. And I'll read this quickly. You said, I transitioned from high-flying corporate sales consultant to recovered addict, fitness expert, multiple six-figure business owner. I launched and raised half a mil for an app and I self-sabotaged my human potential in every way you can think of, which I thought mm. was great. 
So let's start talking about your transition <laughs> from the corporate sales, because that's a job that I'm sure a lot of guys, you know, probably well-paying, but long hours and stressful. What took you from that to say, do you know what? I'm done with this. Uh, drug addiction, actually. I, you know, I, I didn't really want to go to, to university, um, but my brothers did. They went to Oxford. They studied law. I kind of positioned myself as the black sheep, which was a convenient label that allowed me to be naughty. Uh, <laughs> and I was very good at being, you know, I was very good at that. That was yeah. kind of, I, uh, that was my identity. So I ended up going to Bournemouth University to do an IT and business degree. I didn't have any interest in it. Um, I think I kind of wanted to, read philosophy and my parents were like no you're going to do a degree that's useful uh, no disrespect to people that are reading philosophy um and i came out um qualified in uh in 2000 and um someone said well you're good at selling you're a natural salesperson you've done an it and business degree why don't you go and sell tech and uh and that's what i did so I went into the city in 2000. I was young. I wanted to, you know, I kind of watched Boiler Room and yeah. that's what I wanted to do, right? I wanted to make loads of money and, and, and take loads of drugs. And, um, and that's what I did. Um, and um, I, uh, I got sacked from my first job in 2002 for doing too, many, too much coke. And they, he said, like, you're very good. You're a very good salesperson, but we don't know where you are anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Then I got another job and it kind of, I won't go into it, into the darkness, but it got dark. It got worse. I, I moved over to crack and that kind of tends, you know, the wheels come off quite quickly. So yeah. I went into rehab in 2005. And when I came out, didn't really want to, um, I didn't want to go back into sales. It wasn't very, it wasn't fulfilling for me and I wanted to be of service to others that's that's kind of what excited me I thought about being a teacher a therapist I don't think coaching was kind of mainstream back in 2005 yeah but because I had like a, a fitness background it was you know I could do my PT diploma in six months and so so that's what I did yeah I think that it's important to realize that you've what I've seen through your story is that you've reinvented yourself several times and you know plenty of guys I know that will be stuck in the same job and kind of worried that what else can I do and it's a reminder when we speak to guys who've done have multiple careers either run different businesses or said you know what I spent five or ten years doing something but mm. I then moved on to something else so what was it like when you went from the the corporate sales which is basically a, a desk job uh to then being in in kind of the fitness industry and then we'll talk about the uh the uh the app as well in a minute it it was hard because you know I was 30 then and all my friends were kind of settling down, getting married. You know, they they were, they you know, their their careers had you know hit a good point by the time that they were in their thirties. So, you know, and I was I was in London cleaning fitness equipment at, at a sporter on the Finchley Road, and you know, I was just you know a kind of entry level PT. So it was hard, but um, I've always been entrepreneurial. I always knew I wanted to grow my own business so I just sort of put my head down and 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 did that did you have at that point a, a kind of a plan as to what the next you know I'm sure now you've you know a lot more focused on you know we know about setting goals and vision boards and etc but I just want at that age when you leave a job that basically the way I saw it you know when I worked in the city 
I, I turned up, did my job, and and I was living kind of like you know I was just living for the moment. I was never looking ahead five or ten years until I got to my thirties and got interested in personal development. I was like, mm -hmm. is this what I want to do for the next you know twenty years or something like that? But I just wanted at that stage when you're say thirty and you've already been through that job and and then the kind of drug addiction, were you still kind of just working on you know I'm just here, I'm doing what I'm doing, and that's it. I didn't have a plan. In fact. Uh... I never really have a plan. I, I think some, I think sometimes that can get in the way of just doing what we should be doing. I think intentions are good, but I think setting firm, set goals can lead us down, you know, feeling guilty that we're not doing enough. But I knew that I wanted to be great at what I did. I knew that coaching clients in, in the fitness world was really important to me. Yeah. I think it's a privilege whether you're a fitness trainer or a business coach, whatever type of coach you are, someone comes to you with their body, their mind and their spirit. And they say, here's my money now help me. So mm. I've always taken that very seriously. And I think that's why I, I did so well with, with that business, which, which I just kind of built up through, through referrals. So that was really, that was my goal really was just to serve my clients in ways that they've never experienced it before right you know and i think in 15 years as a as a fitness trainer there were maybe one or two clients that i was in front of that didn't sign up with me mm -hmm. and i remember saying to one of those clients once she said i'm not sure about this i need to speak to my husband and i said well that sounds like that's a no and she laughed and i said i don't understand and she said, what do you mean? I said, like, you not working with me is a really, really bad idea. Like, yeah. She just started laughing. She thought I was <laughs> being cocky. But it was, I just believed so much. Not that I was the best, but I believed yeah. that, that I could be really great in people's lives. One question I, I think is, there's so much to unpack about this, but I wondered for you, because we always know you can give people the, the the greatest plans or ideas and things to do, but they've ultimately, they've got to go off and do it themselves. You know, you can't do someone's press ups for them or you can't kind of, you know, be watching what they eat all the time. So I wondered mm -hmm. if you ever got frustrated about, you know, clients that aren't doing what you're telling them will work to do. I mean, that, that applies to coaching or personal training, to be honest. Yeah, I, I definitely did in, in, in the beginning because i think in the beginning people came and they said they you know they needed to lose a stone in a month or whatever it was and that was the goal and i was the trainer that said yeah no problem mm. um but of course it takes longer than that um but as i as i kind of got more skilled as a coach i i attempted to get people to zoom out a lot more um and and look at and look at the bigger picture Ultimately, it's why I left the fitness industry because fitness is about image, regardless of what anyone says. People just want a nice ass and 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 they want to look and they want to look good. They yeah. might dress it up as being strong, but that's why I transitioned into coaching. And in the coaching space now, I get people to dream a lot bigger than they're dreaming, and then I turn that into into a reality. I don't get frustrated if it doesn't happen, but it hasn't happened yet. That yeah. they, that that I that they haven't got that, so I'll let you know when it doesn't. Send <laughs> me a message. And how do you? I'm always interested because sitting down with someone to get them to kind of dream bigger than they were. Like, where do you start with that? I mean, literally a, a, a you know notepad and a pen and a big whiteboard, or yeah, you know, I mean, I coach coaches, so most of the people that come to me, they're looking to um, 
refine the way that they work with their clients, get create a deeper and more profound coaching experience for their clients to build up the referrals. And then they want to expand their business, which is a, often a revenue aspect. Yeah. Um, but many people, when they dream, they dream based on their current reality and their current stories that they've been telling themselves. So those dreams are, are not accurate. Yeah. So my job is 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 really to probe beyond that and to get people to look deeper and in a different direction that they haven't looked at before. I mean, that's fundamentally what what coaching is. So mm -hmm. I always just start with a blank canvas. I don't have my agenda is to get the client to to step into their truth. Do do people show resistance to that? Because I always think with an exercise like that, you know, when you grow up, that just you just don't get taught that in school. Mm. And, uh, you know, even as you're growing up, most people kind of go to university and or just go and get a job and they're kind of just in the daily grind. And mm. at no point do you have any kind of self-reflective tools to say, well, what do I want, you know, my life to look like now or changes? So do you find that people uh, easily kind of let themselves go and open up to that? Um, a lot of the people who come to me have, have maybe seen me or they know me before. So they, I think they kind of have a rough idea of, you know, the experience that they'll get. And I, I typically spend two hours with people before we decide whether we're going to, we, we're going to work together or, you know, in one of the ways that I coach. Um, so in answer to your question, generally no but i do have people in fact i had someone that i spoke to two days ago who had a very scarcity mindset and right. so when he was telling me about his dreams they were nowhere near what i could see his uh you know his possibilities were right his potential, um, his potential. um yeah so and, and again that's my job is sometimes to have really uncomfortable conversations and ask and call call out their 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 bullshit. Um, you know, I guess for so many people, you know, after hundred and twelve uh, episodes of the podcast, and you speak to so many different men from all different backgrounds, and then men through the whole man academy, and you realise that so many of us are kind of running a story in our mind, usually based on what we've done in the past, mm. and you're trying to remember that that doesn't equal what your future is going to be. But mm. um, we just said that word potential. Um, and I was trying to think where I saw it on either your website, or something you've written about scaling your human potential. And mm. I just wonder, because for most guys, they I would guess that they don't have any idea of what is possible. And mm. I'll take you back to even 10 years when I was working in the city. If you'd have said 10 years later that I'd be living in the Cotswolds with a couple of kids, um, you know, running the whole man academy, helping people with all this stuff um, and, and not going out, getting drunk, you know, completely different. I'd have probably laughed in your face and just been like, that's just not possible. And I mm. wonder for most guys, they don't realize where, where they'd start with scaling their potential. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, if I look at my peer group, you know, I'm 45 yeah. and a lot of them are still in the careers that they got into when they were in their early twenties. And now they've got married and they've got kids and they're kind of realizing that the next chapter doesn't really want to look like, their current chapter mm. um so i think a lot of men do know but i think they mask it with a lot of fear um around whether it's 
possible. Um, and I think that's the space that I really like to play in mm. is um, beca because it is. I mean, I have the privilege of, of drug addiction. I have the privilege of losing, you know, that fitness business that I, I built up. So and and leaving the app and, and starting a coaching business with nothing, really, and then building it up to being very, very successful. So, you know, I have a proven track record myself. So, you know, and I'm not special and different. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. I think that's such an important point because often people look at others and either think they've been lucky or, you know, don't get me wrong, some people, um, and I would say some people like work in the city can just happen to bump into someone mm. and get talking and turns out to be a great client and their colleague who's a great broker or something, you know, just doesn't get that. So there is luck involved in some respects, but like you said, it, it it's about also hard work and taking that risk. And I was think talking to you, I realized myself, it takes balls to do it because it's very easy to stay in a job where you get paid for turning up and trading time for money and not going out and taking that risk. So I, uh, I take my hat off to you. Well, let's talk about, I'm, not, I'm always interested in also the, the business side of things where you said I launched and raised half a million for an app. So tell us about that because I find that really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's a class, classic example of what we were just speaking about is about just, just, just doing it. And just, just to comment on what you just said, I don't think it is easy just staying in a job and ticking the boxes and living a life that's fairly beige. I think that's actually quite really uncomfortable, more uncomfortable than sh shifting into something that's potentially very exciting. Yeah. Um, but with the app, so I built up a very successful business in, in London, personal training business. It was doing about 250 grand a year. I was working with like Amy Winehouse, the Rolling Stones, Royals, presidential families. And, uh, and I got to a place where I ended up relapsing um, back into drug addiction because um, I'd taken my eye off why I, why I was a fitness trainer and I wasn't serving my clients. I was just signing them because they were rich and famous. Right, yep. So I moved back to Cape Town and someone said, why don't you do an app? Because I wanted to franchise my previous business. And it was literally, this is how it went. It was like, all right, I'll do an app. Yeah, that was it. Right. And I knew nothing about apps because of my relapse. I had no ways of raising money or investment. My credit rating was gone in yep. the UK. And then a friend of mine called me up. He wasn't happy in his career. And I said, look, I've got this. I've got this thing. I think it, I think it will fly. Do you want to put some money in? And he was like, all right, I'll put some money in. He put 15 grand in. And then that was it. We, we built an app. We went to investors that one of the first investors we met, we asked for 150,000 pound investment for 15% of the business. We valued the business at a million pounds, even though I've just off a, a PowerPoint presentation and a spreadsheet. Yeah. And he, and he gave us the 150 grand and that was it. You yeah. know, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't that hard. I didn't find it that hard. I mean, you know, my business partner, I brought him in because he was good at that stuff and I wasn't good at that stuff raising. So I think that's important to, to honor him. Um, and, and then, and then that was it. We were kind of off, off and going and we ended up in four years, we raised, yeah, around half a million, just over half, half a million pounds. And it was just, it was crazy. Mm. I think that's great when, it shows that it's not, um, you know, trying to do it all yourself doesn't always, because we've all got our strengths and weaknesses. And, mm. you know, I've spoke to so many guys through the whole man Academy that 
um, understandably, you think you can do it all yourself. And then you realize that someone else that say maybe has got different contacts or different experience. So being okay, asking for uh, help is always, uh, you know, something that a guy should remember. And I wondered for you, because the whole man Academy is all about, you know, several things, but one is encouraging guys to get together to talk because mm. I had a conversation this morning with someone who spoke about their father, who I guess is in his late sixties and of course is retired. So he hasn't got a, the business and he hasn't got the interaction and she said he's got no one to talk to because generally men of that age especially don't have they're not getting together with lots of other men and even when they do they don't talk about stuff so you've obviously had some challenging times have you had anybody at that time that you've um you know spent your time either talking to either a mentor or even I, mean, I don't know if you if your dad's if you had a relationship with him or something like that but someone you can talk to to kind of lay these things out and work through them yeah, I have. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because when we're children, we always we we ask for help. I have a six-year-old stepdaughter. You know, she comes and asks me for help. I teach her how to ride. I've taught her how to swim, how to ride a bike, and she asks for help. Right. So when you're learning something new, that principle doesn't change. Learning something new means you don't know how to do it, and when you do it for the first time, you fall off your bike. Yeah. You and on your ass and it hurts and you cry and you get back up and you try again and if you ask for help it's it's going to happen a lot faster that thing doesn't change when we're mm. adult in actual fact the thing that does change when we're men when we grow up is the ramifications of not asking for help are far greater because they affect our money our jobs our relationships so we actually need more help yeah when we grow up I was lucky. My dad, uh, he's, he's been sober for a long time. So he's been down that path. Um, so, so I would talk to him. I have two older brothers, but I also, I had good friends that kind of wrapped around me through those times. The first two businesses that I did, the, the fitness business and the app, I didn't ask for help. Um, and I didn't, I didn't get a coach and, um, and I found that quite difficult as a, as a, as a result this time now, as I sit here today, I've got I've got a coach, I've got a, a mentor, I've got a social media manager, I've got a LinkedIn manager, and and a spiritual advisor. I've yep. I've I've got a lot, and my part, uh, yeah, and my partner that I are uh, my 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 beautiful uh, relationship with mean, Lisa. Our mantra is fearless communication. So mm. it's and and. And one of the things that I found so difficult, and I talk about this, is for a man to say, I don't know, and I need help, those are very, very powerful things that men can say. Because I think what I've found over the time when I've mentored a lot of people in drug addiction and alcoholism is people don't know, they know they need help, they don't know why, and because of that, they don't ask for it. You know, so sometimes I will say to Lisa, my partner, I have this feeling, I don't know how to express it. I don't even know where to begin. Right. And then I just, that's it. And that's me saying that is enough to open a conversation to get guidance and support uh, around that. So, yeah, just simply just, you know, checking in with people, strangers, friends, people like you, people like me, whoever it is and saying, I need help. I don't know what I need help with. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Beautiful place to start. I just, I was just going to say, I think that's great because for, I mean, let's take, you know, as a, what's the word we're looking for as a, as a focus group, but you know, all the men in the city that we used to work with in various shapes and forms, if you looked at all of them, most of them wouldn't 
um, be particularly open to their partner. And I knew plenty of guys that, uh, you know, basically kept most things from their partner. So what was the uh, term you said, fearless communication? Fearless communication. Fearless communication. Because I know myself, and again, I've worked with a couple of guys who, when they're saying I've got this, this and this going on, you'd be like, okay, I'm not saying you should unpack all your stuff necessarily to your partner because some partners don't know how to react to that. But you'll say, what does your partner think? And they'll say, I haven't told her that the business is going under or I haven't said this. And you're just like, maybe that's adding an extra layer of pressure because you're hiding that completely. So I, I'm, I'm going to write that one down and probably write about it in our uh, e-letter about fearless communication. So I think that's, yeah. uh, that's a powerful one. Um, now let's talk about, I mean, we talk about personal development being so important for guys. Um, I know you're big into meditation. So mm. my first question is, when did you start doing it? Second question is, did you find it easy? And now where are you with it? Because so many different guys you spoke to are like, I didn't find it until I was 30, 40. Other guys started young. So what did it look like for you? I started about a year ago. Yeah. Um, I tried it before, didn't really work. Um, I It took me about six months to really get into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bit like fitness right? It's exactly the same. You know, if you want to go and run 10 miles or whatever, and you've never run before, when you start running, it's really uncomfortable. It's painful. It's horrible. You don't like it. Yeah. You know, you're sore afterwards. This is, it's the same mental fitness, spiritual fitness, but you know, it's the same deal, right? In the beginning, it's, it, it's just a bit annoying. It's not, you know, you're not, <laughs> going, to be, you're not going to be able to clear your mind you know, for 25 minutes and sit on a velvet cushion, which is what people think in the same way as you can't run 10 miles if you've never run a mile before. Yeah. You know, it's the same deal. So, but for me, I actually needed, my motivation was, I right, so I'm, I want to build a seven-figure uh, coaching business. That's my focus because I live in Africa and there's a lot of people that need help and I want to give back, right? I also right. want to be able to say that I've done it, you know, so that I can help and motivate other coaches, but actually really done it, not not the scaling coaches that say make a million pounds in four days, yeah. right? So, so that's my motivation because my primary purpose is as a coach and as a human is, is to love others, is to serve others, to, to show up in, to show up in my truth and just be honest with Lisa, my partner, my stepdaughter, my dogs, uh, you, whoever it is, my clients, just, just be Tim right because yeah. i spent so much time being someone else now in order for me to do that i need to spend some quiet time with myself well i have goosebumps talking about this because it, it was so painful for me to present a different version of myself to the rest of the world it was just exhausting just so i get hey just acting the whole time just pretending just you know just because just assuming you know um and so now I get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, most days, four or five days a week, yeah. right? I listen to an app um, that is, plays sounds. And I just, some days I quieten my mind, some days I don't. Some days I go into manifestation and future vision where I think about me walking onto a, the, you know, doing a TED talk and yeah. millions of people are cheering. Um, and, I, and I play around with it, you know, um, I don't, force anything and uh, and it's quiet time for me and that's that's how i how i that's how i view it and um some days it's i'm great and some days it it's you know it's it doesn't work for me but um but i do it it's dis you know it's it's it, it's it's the discipline of it is is also an important aspect for me 
Um, and I just, I'm just a better human when I do it. I was just going to say, just starting the day the right way. You know, we've always been not saying that a, a morning routine is going to, you know, suddenly sort all your problems out in the world. But if you can start the day with a with a decent, you know, easily achievable morning routine to just mm. kind of start your day off right can help you kind of make those, you know, better decisions through the day. Mm. Um, and talking of, I mean, one of the biggest things now, we met through LinkedIn as well. Mm. I just wondered, I always find it interesting to understand a guy's uh, relationship with social media. So primarily, I know you're on uh, Instagram as well, but mm. for LinkedIn, because I, LinkedIn for me is like, I'd been on it for, for years, but never used it. You know, I had a profile, but that was it. And then someone said to me, you know, maybe six, seven months ago, like, why aren't you using LinkedIn for the whole man Academy? And I was like, to be honest, I'm spinning so many plates. We used to use Instagram and that's it. So I wondered for you, what's your relationship like with social media, especially as you said, you have a social media kind of coach or. I, I don't, I mean, I'm 45. I don't come from the, you know, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up with it. So it's yeah. never been that natural for me. I've been on Instagram as a professional, you know, under this business for a couple of years. Um, I like talking, I like doing videos and then I get someone to make it look nice and add all the hashtags and, you know, do that thing. Yeah. Um, and then LinkedIn, LinkedIn has changed a lot recently. You know, it used to be quite boring and it's suddenly become very interesting. So I've been on there, I think two months now. Um, and I got someone to help me, you know, kind of navigate the, the, the processes, you know, how to yeah. post, when to post, what to do in order to get better, better engagement. Um, and I love it. I love LinkedIn. I get, I mean, we met on LinkedIn, like I'm, Instagram is a bit, I don't know, it just, it's just a bunch of people dancing around, miming, uh, you know, wise people's words and, and um, that's a bit judgmental, but do you know I what I mean? It's not, it's not, I, I found now with Instagram that, I just do my thing. I don't have to feel pressured to do stories and stuff. Like I'm just going to do my thing with that. And if people like it, cool. Same with LinkedIn, but I'm just, I like people commenting. I like pe what people write, what people say. I follow people that I'm genuinely interested in. Like it's like, it, I'm genuinely interested. And the people that I connect with, it's because I like something that they've said. Um, it's not necessarily to sell some, product to them it's because you know who knows what will happen yeah like this i always think also it's that um i saw a great post the other day which had multiple bits but it kind of said you know be okay kind of selling every day and that's not to mean it meant to be like a hard sell of things but it's like be okay mentioning what you do and mm -hmm. you know let letting people know but one of the things I've, i find interesting about linkedin is or just generally social media is the amount of arguing that goes on you know and i could pick 20 different topics, you know, we could go through Ukraine, vaccines, masks, COVID lockdowns, um, abortion, all these different things. And you could search for it and you'll find people arguing backs and forwards. And that's one of the things I just look at. I'm like, man, like it, it, it LinkedIn, maybe that's made it more interesting, but the amount of times that people get triggered by stuff uh, is, is I, I find it quite amusing. I wondered mm -hmm. if you saw the guy who, what was he labeled? The crying CEO who had, um, who had taken a photo of himself crying because he'd had to lay some people off and he got absolutely slaughtered for it because yeah. it, was so, it just looked so fake and disingenuous. But what I found funny, forgetting whether he did or didn't, was you've got him posting a picture and crying and you've got 
John saying to him, mate, that's really pathetic. Like we can see it. Someone arguing with John, John, that's really unfair. Someone arguing with that person, that's not nice to tell John that it's unfair. And it was like a vicious circle. And I was like, yeah. fucking hell, like it's, it's like a cesspit of, so I guess half the issue is being able to separate yourself from that, be in business and just be like, I'm just posting what I'm posting and concentrating on the people that I read your posts and I enjoy reading them as opposed to getting dragged into the, the, the rabbit hole of, of like uh, nonsense that goes on. Yeah, I, 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 I never saw the actual post of the crying CEO, but I saw other posts, other people that had talked about it. And, and, and I've seen a lot of men posting, not actually since then, but prior to that, there, were, there seemed to be this theme of men posting pictures of them looking sad or crying. Yeah. And, um, and this is what I, we were talking about earlier. It's the pendulum, right? People always kind of go full kilter and then they get, and, and then it kind of finds its, it finds its, its, its way. So I like, um, I like reading all of the, all of that, you, you know, the arguments uh, I've learned my lesson over the years that, you know, if you're going to comment, be prepared, right? Yeah. Because there are people on there who, who are angry and they're triggered and they're going to come back at you. Um, so, but, but typically now I just kind of, I, I just read what I do love about LinkedIn now is that it appears the business world is becoming more conscious, more aware. And I, I think all relationships are built on the same, which is just truth, trust, being kind, being honest, you know, the business world that, you know, is so attached to ego and the external that, you know, we have to present, we, 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 we think that we have to present a different version of ourselves, mm. you know, and, and it's just not true. You don't, you don't, you don't have to, most of the, like I work with coaches. I also work with leaders and a lot of the leaders you know they they do they're in big deals like multi-million deals they talk to me and they're like there's this and this and this and what do you think i should do and i'm like well what do you really want to say yeah you know crazy and, and uh, crazy right yeah. and yeah you know just why don't you say what you've just said to me to them and they're like what, what i can say that <laughs> yeah what yeah i can actually be myself and tell the truth yeah you know and, and, and so I do like the way that business and, and LinkedIn is evolving at the moment because of this. And um, yeah, I mean, good, good PR for the crying CEO, whoever, mm. whoever it is. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it myself. Yeah, I might do a couple, a bit. bit yeah. We do, perhaps we do one together crying on camera together. Yeah, we got, we got really sad. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what I found funny. There's a guy who I know that lives locally um, and uh, I always think jealousy can be a good thing because maybe it can drive you on to doing, you know, you might be jealous because someone's got the lifestyle you want. And as opposed to saying, well, you shouldn't be jealous. You might be like, well, actually, at least that means you might take action to get where you want to be. But it was funny because a few weeks ago, he's got a local business. He pays himself really good money and he has zero social media. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, because he's got a local business and he doesn't need social media for that. It doesn't have LinkedIn, doesn't have Instagram, Facebook, any of that. His business is fine. A little bit was like, ah, oh, life goals to be able to have no social media or you can use it if you want to, but not feel like you should. Um, so even for me with the Whole Man Academy, I realized, like you said, we I can't stand Facebook. Um, Instagram is all very well, but I don't think people re read the posts 
and I would then you might write something that hopefully is thought provoking, interesting. And most people just like your picture and just scroll on. Whereas mm. at least LinkedIn is more professionals in theory sometimes. And it gives you more of a chance to kind of write and, and create a bit more, uh, I don't know, impact and feeling. So um, mm. now last question then before we let you go, I know you've got shit to do, but bonsai trees, what's going on? <laughs> uh, an ex-girlfriend bought me a little one I don't know how uh, six years, seven years ago, and it was dying. And I took it to this bonsai center, and uh, and I ended up buying a couple of trees. And you know, I guess it's better than smoking crack, right? You know, I do, <laughs> I, I do have it quite an addict, although it can be as expensive as, as smoking crack. But I, I do have a tendency to go all in on things and I've got about I don't know 150 trees in my garden bonsai trees like yeah some some are like 60 year old elms uh I'm yeah I'm How big uh, do they grow so a bonsai tree a lot of people think bonsai trees are special trees they're not they're just normal trees that you've made small they're, the definition of a bonsai tree is a miniature tree in a pot so they can be as big as small as you as you want i have some that are like half a foot i've got some that are like four five foot tall um so yeah i i love them you know they they i just like playing with them and um uh, there's all sorts of analogies that i can throw in for growth and uh and potential but it's just a really lovely uh yeah. hobby and it's proper geeky like you don't generally meet old people typically that sit around talking about soil and fertilizer <laughs> it's going to be very important to know how to grow things very soon so exactly uh, yes exactly. I, I think that's important well on that bombshell of bonsai trees it's not often we finish on something so uh, extravagant as that um, right. but i would say hopefully at some point we'll uh, we'll meet in person for a man hug um, yes are you planning on being back in the uk at any point or yeah, I am. I was over in March and I will come back. Most of my clients are in the UK. So, and I've got some people that I haven't hugged and hugging. I, I do like a, a man hug. Yeah. Uh, it, what's the difference between a man hug and a woman hug? I think you squeeze harder when it's a man. Right. I and, a, and a little noise. Like a, uh. Yeah. And a little, um, you, you might forget and accidentally slip in a kiss as well when you didn't mean to. Um, right. But yeah, with my, my best mate, Tom, you know, if I hug him, it's a proper bear hug. Whereas if right. I did that to my partner, I'd probably break one of her ribs. So it's uh, okay. maybe it's a, it's a softer touch for the feminine side. Right. Um, but uh, right, well, well, I will let you go. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> your time. I'll put all your links on uh, in the show notes for the work you do. And, uh, and hopefully we will speak to you soon. Amazing. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Remember to sign up to our game-changing weekly e-letter that's read by men around the world. Sign up at wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement. Until next time.